usually. Yo, welcome to Blackopolis Podcast Media BPM. Today I have a super special guest, very special guest, Mr. George Seagal. No relation to Steve. He told me that already offline. <laughs> welcome, George. Hey, th- thanks for having me on. Yep, no relation to the famous, controversial, uh, tough guy. No relation at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a lot of people don't um, seem to like him. I don't know. He seems all right in the films. I mean, actually, no, he's not a very likable guy, actually, in the films, when you think about it. But I have watched some of them and have enjoyed them, so it's hard for me to, uh, it's hard for me to be too critical, and I certainly wouldn't be critical to his face because he would completely kick my ass. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I've actually heard his um, fighting style is actually quite useless. I don't know. You know, I'm not going to challenge him, so I'll take <laughs> me, your word me, for it. Me neither, me neither. Uh, okay, so you're a filmmaker. Yes. And uh, you did the film The Last House Standing. Yes, I did. That's a film that really can apply to anybody. If you live in a house, an apartment, um, whatever dwelling you live in, our film encourages you to know the most about it that you possibly can in terms of safety and you know, protecting yourself and your valuables. And maybe that means you don't end up living there if you can't do something to make yourself safe. But as you see over where you live and, and we see in the United States all the time, people get wiped out every year. Yeah, and sure. A lot of that could have been prevented. Sometimes you can't prevent it, but you know, we all want to live by the water or live out in the woods while mm-hmm. you have a, the risk of storms and fires and, and yeah. there's a risk everywhere. You have to know your risks. Yeah. So what drove you to write the film? What was the inspiration? Did you have a bad experience or? Well, I used to be a TV weatherman. So mm-hmm. I would report bad weather that would lead to bad situations <laughs> okay. where, where people would die, people would get wiped out, you know, just bad things would happen. And um, I was also a reporter and I've also been, I'm also a homeowner. So I've dealt with the construction industry and I have some challenges with that as well. So it made me think of all those things combined. What is the most important thing? And I thought, I want to have the last house standing. And so that's the concept behind the movie. You know, you see this, um, this beautiful house on the coast in Mexico Beach, Florida, that truly is the last house standing. Everything else was wiped out. Yeah. And, and, and what the film really says, too, just so people know, it, it doesn't mean you have to have a expensive house on the beach on stilts it means wherever you live you do what you can to have that house be the last house standing it's more of a metaphor for safety than it is for well if you don't have a nice house you're in trouble because a lot of houses that that are not that expensive can still be safe yeah um that's it actually um i always wanted to know why a house is built out of wood in america like if you look in Europe, all our houses are built out of concrete, cement, brick, um, masonry, sort of brick laid. But in America, when you look on TV, like, hey, look, there's a house flying across the sky. What, why is the house flying? And it's all out of wood. I would think that wood is not really a, I mean, it's strong and robust, but I think when it comes to facing, well, it comes face to face with like a tornado or a hurricane. It has no well. chance. Yeah. No, and, and, and it's interesting because it one of the main reasons used to be because it was the least expensive. You know, you yeah. could get wood cheaper 
And so you could build a house less expensively. You don't have to engineer it the same way as if you have a second story concrete house. You know, you have to have the walls in a way that they can support the weight. But mm -hmm. the price of wood now is skyrocketing. I yeah. saw this statistic the other day that the price of wood is now more expensive than concrete. So eventually, although people want to take the easy way out and do it, they might have to change because that cost is going to go up. And also builders in this country lobby to have the standards as low as possible. So, so you don't have to build a palace. You just have to put the walls up and pass inspection. And, and that could change if you have to switch what you're building with. Yeah. So there's a lot of reasons. And in mar I marvel at it all the time. It's like a lot of houses here in Florida where I live, they have concrete on the first floor and then they do wood on the second floor. That's insane. Why would you do that? I don't understand it. Change it, man. Actually, I really liked your documentary because obviously I watched it. And um, <laughs> the funniest part of it was the the the, the bit where the, the house was, nothing was left of the house except for his Italian oven. The, yeah. the, uh, it was a wood stove, and no, it was a, a concrete stove, I guess. And it was still standing. And it was yeah. like, that's it. And I was thinking to myself, see, that's it. That's it, summed up in two minutes, build yeah, and, like Italians or Europeans, and then you'll have no well, problems. It, it, you know, we can chuckle about it, but you know, we both know that's heartbreaking yeah. to, to the people that live there. They lost, they lost everything. And yeah. they, they had four fireproof safes in their house that all yeah. melted from the fire. And the yeah. only thing on their property that was standing was the pizza oven that they imported from, from Italy. And, that's just amazing. Even people who have money, a lot of people go, well, they must have been wealthy to have all that stuff. Losing everything, that just means you lose more. Yeah. I mean, sure. they, they literally lost everything in their house. And, and when you see story after story like that, it's, mm -hmm. it, it is heartbreaking to see. And, and it's very hard to recover from. Yeah. So you got the regulators in there. And in the film, it was talking about they're basically cutting corners to build the houses. Um. I didn't really, I don't understand why they would do that because another thing I was thinking to myself is don't have a guarantee. Like if your house blows away, shouldn't it be like a, like a guarantee or warranty in place that someone says, okay, if you lose the house in 10 years because of a storm, we're going to come back and fix it up for you. But it seems like they put, like, for example, they said tornadoes. They don't cover tornadoes because they're so rare. But when one comes and takes your house away, it's like, well, we didn't anticipate that. Well, no builder would ever do that. And, and, and I honestly could say I wouldn't blame them for that because that's just an act of nature that is so powerful that mm. if a, an EF5 tornado goes over your house, no matter what it's built with, it might have some problems with standing that. So I don't mm. think a builder would ever stand behind that. You know, most warranties with builders are a couple of years. Maybe they give you a longer period of time on the roof, mm. uh, but not if the roof blows off, just if it leaks or if it had any issues. So that's where you have to have insurance. You have to have a really good insurance policy to cover yourself yeah. because they're not going to. And, and, and I guess builders think, maybe if I was a builder, if I was in that industry, I would wanna build the best house. And that's how I would market my business. I build houses that survive disasters. I yeah. build houses that won't blow away, wash away or burn down. But you don't see that. You see, mm -hmm. you know, um, stock housing of all their all prefab houses that are all the same in a neighborhood yeah. and then that neighborhood gets wiped out so the builder just comes back and builds them again and probably gets paid for it by the insurance company yeah. i just i don't like that that's what frustrates me about that industry i want i wish they got rewarded for being better 
not for being affordable. Yeah. I think I think that's 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 an issue we have all over the world is that it seems to be things are made. I think they call it planned obsolescence or they make it. Even with houses, they build a house for it to break because that's the only way they can keep the, you know, the merry-go-round, everyone on a hamster wheel. You know, they're never going to build a house that can survive everything when they could. They could send a rocket to the moon, as one guy said. So they can surely build a house that will survive a hurricane or, I don't know, a storm or a flood. Um, well, but I always tell people it's not the same guys that are doing that. Yeah, you know, the, the scientist that's sending that rocket to the moon isn't designing your house. If it did, maybe our houses would last longer. So <laughs> it, it, it's frustrating because that's also everybody's biggest investment. You know, if you think about yeah. it, yeah, we put a lot of money into a car, but the amount of money we put into homes in a mortgage or whatever money we've saved up to buy it, we should be concerned more about protecting that investment. Yeah. And I think people are too busy looking at the eye candy and the extras maybe the proximity to where they really want to be. And it's such a cool area, such a great neighborhood. And they don't think about what might be the most important thing is how structurally sound is that house and how safe they would be. And it ends up coming back to haunt you. Disaster eventually finds, can, it can find anyone, no matter where you live, it yeah. can find you. Um, well, American houses just look like sheds, basically. They build the foundation and they put the wood on top of the foundation. I'm like, that's not how they build in, uh, in Europe. We build, I think, six feet below ground. And that's the foundation of the house. And that would be connected to the whole house then going up. But it looks like in America, they just make a, the, well, let's say 16 by 16 slab and then they put the, the house on top of it. Yeah. That's just guessing by the way. I'm not sure what it exactly is, but yeah, that's... Yeah, um, they, they, they throw them up quickly. And, yeah. you know, it's turn them out, go on to the next one. And your house is only as good, too, as the crew and the person that's watching them build your house. Okay. Because I've been on job sites where the workers throw the food from lunch into the walls before they put the drywall up. People are going to the bathroom in the structure. I mean, there's a, a certain attitude of not really caring that I've seen. Now, it doesn't mean it happens all the time. I know there's some builders that I've met that I think are terrific and, and they do a really good job. Mm. But that's because they, they pay attention to what's going on. But if you don't, your house is a minefield of whatever sloppy work <laughs> is done out there. And you're right about how they do it. It's not built like it's going to be a fortress. You know, mm -hmm. in the film, we also talk about there's different categories for structures in, in, uh, from one through four. And mm -hmm. four is the White House. And yeah. two is for homeowners. Prisons are three. So, you know, if a disaster comes, you might be safer in jail. In jail, yeah. <laughs> than you would be in your house. That's kind of scary. Oh, now I know why everyone wants to go to jail in America. <laughs> hey, because there's a storm coming. Lock me yeah. up. I'll be safer there. So what do you think of the people who decide to build such a house on the beach? <laughs> why do they decide that? Because it's such a beautiful spot, you know, and, and nobody's telling them not to. You know, it's like if you'll notice something about our country and I'm I love America and believe in everything. You know, I'm, I'm not going to trash my own country. I'll, I'll, I'll certainly pick on certain things that I think might have um, have issues, but yeah. everybody believes they have a right to do what they want to do. Yeah. Okay. And then they'll go settle where they want to settle. They'll build where they want to build. And then when something happens, they go, why'd this happen to me? How come nobody told me this could happen? So there's a danger that comes with a free-for-all 
And, and if, we build, if we build houses closer to the water, naturally when the water has a storm surge, people are gonna get flooded. Yep. There's not much you can do about it, it's inevitable. If you build a, a, a nice house in the middle of the woods and you're surrounded by trees and forests, when that catches on fire, you have a risk. Yep. And there's things that can go wrong. So what I encourage people to do is just understand what the risk is. And then when you're warned about it, take it seriously. You know, uh, a lot of people don't. You know, you'll see people celebrating uh, having a hurricane party after the storm blows by and they're all excited that it just missed them. But they don't really party. think about, they don't think about how 100 miles to the east where the storm hit, people were wiped out. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it's a devastating thing. And I think that once it happens, it's interesting to see then how do they rebuild? How do they go on with their lives? Yeah. Um, a lot of the places never recover or it takes years to recover. And it's, it's completely disrupting to the people's lives who are having to experience it. As you saw the people that have been damaged by tornadoes in Oklahoma or mm -hmm. fires in California or hurricanes in Florida, it's a, it's a slow recovery when that yeah. happens. Sure. And w one of our experts in the film says it's a lot less expensive to be proactive and do something before the storm happens mm -hmm. than it is to clean up afterwards. That's a yeah. lot more expensive and comes with a lot greater cost personally. Um, I think it's time that we make smarter choices in life. You know, we're, we're not the ape, you know, we're not, we're not monkeys anymore. We're human beings. Apparently we should be making smarter choices and living next to the, to the sea <laughs> when there's a risk of a hurricane or tornado is probably not smart. What about if they create a, a no live zone in America? Could that be something that could introduce? Don't I don't think yeah. they could do that. You know, that one of the experts in our film, Hank Ovink from the Netherlands, mm. talked about a project they did there when, um, I, I think it was Holland, but, you know, excuse me for being uh, brain dead. They built this huge uh, uh, waterway that closes and opens depending on the storm surge and what's happening with weather because they were having a, an ex extensive flooding problem, an extreme flooding mm. situation every year. And they made people relocate. And they had to make them move to other places. You would have a very hard time doing that in this country. We can't even agree on putting masks on for the, the virus. And it, it really is a problem because nobody wants to be told what to do by somebody else when it comes to where they can live and what they can do. But they, they need to understand the risk. You know, when they tell you to evacuate now, a lot of times for mandatory evacuations, they ask you an indelible link to write your uh, social security number on your arm so when they identify your body they know who you are and because they take that seriously if yeah. i choose to ride out a storm and you have to come rescue me mm. i'm now risking your life yeah so they're not going to go out in the storm they'll wait and come afterwards and it's a very serious thing and i, I think in most situations i don't know how it is over where you live do people listen when they're told to do something do they take it seriously um i would say probably there's still going to be people no matter where you are in the world that are going to think they should have more of a say than, than being told what to do. Mm. I think, so I, I changed between England and Germany. I would say the Germans are very um, obedient. They listen to whatever the government says they do, you know, stand up, they stand, jump, how high they ask. Uh, but the, the British, which I align myself more to, we don't listen that much. No, we're, we think we're a bit more like the Americans, you know, we're, we're the same, we're cousins, you know, so we have the same kind of tendencies and bad habits. <laughs> yeah, and that's a problem. 
you know, and, and you don't want to just necessarily be a pawn and do, you know, I'm not saying people shouldn't have rights and do whatever they want. I, I'm, I'm 100% for that. But I think when it comes to the safety of where you're living, if you're not going to do what you're told, at least understand what the risks are and try to do something to be as safe as possible. What we have people tell us here is anywhere you live in, in the United States, on the, the way the land masses are here, there's a risk somewhere. You know, yeah. if you live in the Pacific Northwest, there's, uh, you can get very strong storms and they have a, an active volcano there and they get earthquakes there. You live in the middle of the country, you have tornadoes, the West Coast fires and earthquakes, Florida hurricanes, uh, the Northeast snow. Um, and, and they also get hurricanes coming up the coast. So there's no place you could sit there and go, you mean if you say I wanna live in Montana or uh, Idaho, <laughs> You know, they have the, there's a talk about if, uh, if the volcano erupts there, the whole middle part of the country would be wiped out. Okay. If, uh, isn't it in Yellowstone? Yeah, Yellowstone, um, yeah. Yeah, so there's no place you could sit there and go, I'm 100% safe here. So, you, ha you know, you might live in a city like when I, I used to live in San Antonio, Texas, and that's, that's pretty safe from bad weather. Occasionally, they would get a tornado. But there's rivers there that flood every year. Okay. And, you know, we knew some people who had had a beach, uh, not a, it's a river house that washed away in the flood. And, and a lot of them died in that. Um, so there's a risk everywhere. It's just knowing what it is and then trying to be prepared for it. But I don't know that there's any place you could go, ah, this is completely safe. I'll be fine here. <laughs> do, you have like, do you have like sandstorms in uh, Texas? Um, we didn't have those there. I think in West Texas, they can get them. That's more Arizona. Okay. Um, where they have those in Texas, in West Texas, there might be dust storms occasionally, mm. but you know, as you saw there in January, they had a nice storm, oh, you know, they had record cold and I freezing see. conditions there and they weren't prepared for that. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. You are. Right. Yeah. Didn't they take off? Yeah. They took off the power. Yeah. the power. That's another thing that um, happens when there's a storm, they turn off the power, don't they? In um, like Florida and stuff. Well, not so much in Florida. Um, in Texas, they did because the power just was flat out out and, and the places that were on then had to do uh, rolling blackouts mm. to, um, to keep the whole grid from shutting down. But uh, the, there was a real problem with that. They were not prepared. They, they couldn't even, they don't even claim that they were prepared. They didn't think it would get that cold and stay cold for that long. And, but the, it was forecasts. You know, I, I have a son who lives in Texas and I called him a week in advance and said, boy, it's going to be pretty miserable there for a while. And he still wasn't prepared. <laughs> and, and he, cause he's a every day go to the store kind of person. And a lot of people do that. They don't stock up on food. They don't have a generator. They don't have a backup freezer, which probably wouldn't have mattered there because everything would have spoiled anyway. Mm. Um, but there's a lack of preparation pretty much um, in most situations. Most people don't take it seriously. Okay. Okay. So um, what I would ask you, because I'm big into alternative building. Um, a few years ago, I went to New Mexico, actually, Taos, New Mexico, to build on the Earthships. I don't know if you know those. No, what now? The Earthships, Michael Reynolds. You don't know them? I don't. Oh, no, no. They're like the best houses, really. They're like, they're like, um, they have basically their own system built into them, the whole like drainage system. They have like solar panels on the, on the roof. They're built into the earth. And really? they're like packed with tires. Yeah, really, really good idea. But um, the best one was, uh, I don't know if you know, because he's actually, he was from um, Florida, the late Jack Fresco. He was big on the housing thing too. I don't know if you know that with the Venus Project and stuff. And he suggested that in America, especially Florida, they should build the house in a circular 
formation because that would spin the tornado off it. Um, he was a smart guy. He was a genius. I don't know how much uh, truth is in that because I'm not in that industry myself. But, you know, he said it and I believed it. <laughs> well, you know, in South Florida, they have the highest standard uh, for construction. The wind code is 175 miles an hour um, mm-hmm. in Broward County and, and down in parts of South Florida. As you get up a bit further north, it, the standard goes way down. In, in Mexico Beach, I think that the building code called for 130 miles an hour. And after Hurricane Michael, they changed it to 140. But they got hit by winds of 165, 170 miles an hour. They had a storm surge of, of 15 to 20 feet. Mm. They're not rebuilding to survive that. So if they rebuild the community at the standard they set the, the code for and had a storm like Hurricane Michael again, they'd have the same problem. Mm. So, you know, it, it's... Uh, there are, there are better ways to build, you know, I would, I would, I like concrete. I like panel, concrete panels. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find that that's one of the more interesting ones. And, and as you say, there's probably a lot of ones I've never even heard of that are great ways to build. And that's innovation that, that we should encourage people that come up with ideas of things that actually will be resilient and survive storms. Um, I'd like to see a lot more of that. We need it. Yeah. So where is it? What is the problem then? Why? Cause I'm all about solutions. Who would have to talk to to say, look, it's not working. Building these houses is not working. Building them where they are is not working. Could you talk to the president? No, you can't talk to this guy. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going near that. Um, I, I would say this. You can't start at the top because it's almost impossible to get anything done yeah. because of the divisiveness in the, in, in the country and in, in any country. It's hard to do that. So where do you start? I think you start with homeowners. You start convincing people that are buying the houses and you start building them and you go from the bottom up and and you encourage people because it's a lot easier to convince me to do it than to convince my city council to make it required for everybody to do it. But it takes people to have vision and to be pioneers about it and to not settle for less than what they should have. But Mm -hmm. that's a hard sell. And that's what I hope my film does is creates that conversation where people go, yeah, I'm not going to buy that. 30-year-old wood house that's just waiting to be blown down, I'm going to spend a little more because there's things you would spend it on. If mm-hmm. somebody could give you this really cool car that you, you know, gave you people that don't have a lot of money, you're still getting $60,000 cars. Yeah. Um, so you have to take it more seriously with your house. And then places like Zillow and realtor.com and all those online sites, hopefully they start rewarding people for being better at how they build their houses. Those get a priority. So when you go look at houses, it doesn't just show you, oh, look at the beautiful landscaping. Look at those granite countertops and the white cabinets. It's so nice and it's near a park. No, this house is built with concrete. It's uh, at not 10 feet, so no flooding will happen here. And this house isn't blowing down. The roof is attached with this, this, and this. And that would be nice if we had our priorities different where those things were what we go, yeah, that, that's right. That's how we should do it. Mm. And they don't burn as easy too. Concrete houses don't burn as easy as wooden houses. No, they don't. The stuff out, the stuff inside can burn. And yeah. if the fire's bad enough, you know, certainly if there's ways for the um, embers to get inside your house, if there's mm. any uh, openings in the roof uh, on the sides. Yeah. Uh, so you really have to have a, a full thought process on that, but your chances are better. You know, it's going to be at least might give you a fighting chance. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's next then? Um, you've done this film now. Is there going to be a part two or? 
I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful we can do more with it. I have some ideas of how we can expand on the concept of being the last house standing. I also have a bunch of other ideas that I think are pretty creative, but as a filmmaker, you have to raise the money to do yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, I, I've always thought I had a lot of great ideas and I was just missing one thing, the money, the money to do the idea. It's always the, it's always the money. It's like, um, I have like really great ideas too, uh, especially documentaries, which I would love to do. But also, I guess in America, it's kind of easier just to approach somebody and say, look, I need 200 grand. And they'll be like, yeah, okay, no problem. Whereas in Europe, it's always the case of you have to jump through hoops, literally. And then they'll still probably say no. Because Where are these people? I haven't found them. You haven't you know, found it's, them? It's, no, it's very hard to, to, to do a film and raise money. And I went to people for The Last House Standing that I thought should really want to do something like this. Like I approached insurance companies. Mm, oh. You know, anybody should have sponsored this film. It should have been an insurance company. I didn't even get them to take a look at it. I got form letters back. We're not interested. It's not what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, and it, there's no way you could watch this film and tell me that an insurance company couldn't benefit from sure. the message in the film. To yeah. me, they would be superstars. But, you know, I'm a crappy salesman. I, I, I like to think I'm a good filmmaker, but I'm not a salesman. So, you know, if they say no, I'm not going to try to talk them into it. I, I'm, I'm just not good at that. But I couldn't believe they didn't get behind it. And, and the concrete industry, I thought for sure, man, that, that, those guys will jump on this. Uh, nah, nah, I think it's, uh, even though we might think it's to their interest, I think the insurance company, I don't know. I don't know if they make more money from the accidents. I can't believe they would make <laughs> money from the accident. I, I, I don't and, know. And then I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like all is like health insurance. You know, we all know health insurance makes more money when everyone's sick. So well, I don't health know. Health insurance is different. Um, and and still I wonder sometimes how they make money. I guess they just keep raising the rates. But with homeowners insurance, I would think that if if everybody had a safer home and you were still paying that same uh, amount for insurance, you know, maybe it'd be a little less if the house was really safe. I would think they would love that. Actually, you know, yeah. if they didn't have to go out and, and do that. But you know, it's one of those things that if I had the answers, I would be, I'd be a lot smarter than I am. I just, it, it's a tough one to figure out how, how to get people on board for something when, um, you know, everybody's looking, okay, what's the instant return in a documentary film? It's more, you're trying to get a message out there or to educate people you're not really thinking you're going to have a box office hit mm. and make a lot of money. It just doesn't work that way for most people. If you're a famous director or a famous actor, uh, an ex-president, and you want to make films, um, because your name is on it, you're going to have an audience that will come to that film, and then that film could conceivably make money. But for us little people, it's very hard. Yeah, it's very hard. All right. Um, let's see. Do I have any more questions? Actually, nothing. I'm out. Do you want to uh, say anything else? Is there anything else you want to? Yeah. I want your audience to all go to thelasthousestanding.org. Thelasthousestanding.org. You got to have the the in there. And you can rent the film on there for, uh, for $3.99. We also have some cool stuff on there, some cool swag, like this Last House Standing <laughs> mug. And uh, the coffee just tastes better with this mug. This Last House Standing. <laughs> there's a hat. There's a T-shirt on there. You know, just cool little things that can help support the, the project. <laughs> and if you're an educator, if you're a university, a college or a university, we have a, 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 the film on there available for universities or libraries to buy the film and use it to, to teach people. 
So that's all on the website. And I would just encourage people to check it out. You know, if you, if you go there and you go, ah, I don't really want to watch this. That's your choice. But it, I think it's something that you'll come away with the thinking of, I've got to do something, whether it's mm. check my insurance, check my windows in my house, make sure my yeah. front door is safe, make sure I know where all my valuables are if I have to get out of my house quickly. I think there's a message in this film. I've done things that I would say, well, it's not for everybody. Mm. This film, I truly think everybody could benefit from because you there's something you could take away from it. Yeah, I think uh, there's definitely a lot of um, areas in the world that need new ideas on the way they build films, um, houses. It's like, if you look at, sometimes it's even interesting, if you look in Africa, for example, how they build their houses, you think to yourself, they use re- very basic techniques, but it works. You know, I think with us, we've got to advance with things and we think, oh, we need to, you know, keep fine tuning everything. And then and it just ends up being a mess or it costs too much. Like if you look at yeah. the modern car, the modern car, for example, remember 30, 40 years ago, a car was a basic thing, you know, just meant to drive forward. Now, if you look at a car, open a new Audi and look inside the bonnet or the, the hood, there's, there's so much pipes and electronic stuff. It's like, wow, what am I supposed to do with this? So. Yeah, but you know what else is in that car? They get graded and rewarded on safety, mm-hmm. how it crash tests, how you could survive an accident in that vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. The airbags. There's a lot of things that are now, if you had said to the car dealers or the manufacturers, um, make the car safer on their own, they probably wouldn't have done it. But if you mm-hmm. pass a rule that says you have to have these things in a car, now yeah. they get really creative and innovation takes over and mm-hmm. cars are a lot safer than they used to be. That's what we need with houses. Yeah. Um, and it, it's hard to do that. That's why I'm encouraging the, the ground up uh, movement because you know it was tough to get that in the auto industry. If you went to the auto industry now and said, "Hey, look, you could build that Audi for twenty five thousand dollars less if you just make it unsafe," um, and, and we don't care, of course they would do that. You know, <laughs> it's like you now would have a huge profit that you would you would be able to build things easier. But you can't go back. You only, we have to go forward. But you're right. There are techniques that are used for construction in other parts of the world that those houses survive. They built yeah. to survive the conditions that happen there. And we do not do that in the United States where, where they are starting to do it. You see results in more Oklahoma, which we showed in the film, mm-hmm. they changed the building code and more. It took eight tornadoes to do it, but now houses not in the bullseye zone, but that are on the sides of the tornado, you know, maybe you're half a mile to the, to the North or South or East or West. Mm-hmm. Those houses now survive when they weren't surviving before they were suffering a lot of damage. And in uh, Alabama, they are building houses that are more tornado safe. And when, they, when we see people do that, they're rewarded by the success of that construction. And, and it would be great if we could see more of that. Yep. Okay. Yes. Then the lasthousestanding.org. That's where you can find your yes. movie. That's where I bought it from today or rented it. Uh, $3.99. It's cheap. It's worth the watch. It's uh, very informative. And that last house that actually survived is gorgeous. That's a really nice house. It looks really better that standing there alone with all the rest of the houses in pieces. And it's really, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's great that their house survived, but they had just built it. Yeah. So now they have no neighbors. I haven't been up there um, <laughs> in a couple of years. I'm going to try to get back up there and see what's building up around it now. Um, but the owner was gracious enough to invite us in and show us what he did. 
Um, and it's a real testament to how you can do something. Now, not everybody can afford to do that. But as we also show in the film, Habitat for Humanity, which builds houses that are closer to $100,000, their houses survive really well in storms because of the detail they put into it and yeah. the extra effort and thought that they put into each house. Those houses come out pretty good. And, mm -hmm. and that's the way everybody should be thinking. It's like you don't have to have a palace, but whatever you're living in, they I, I want this to be the last house standing. Yeah. Actually, I'm surprised you said it only costs 100000 If you want to buy a house where I live, <laughs> half a million. Well, remember, they're using volunteers and they oh. they do it. That house is personal when they build it for you. Okay. I love the okay. work that they do. So that's different than a builder doing it. That's when your community comes in and volunteers come in and they help build that house. Yeah. So you're getting a little extra love in, in the, the building of it. And it, it really makes a difference. So that I applaud that. And they're giving people the opportunity to have houses that might never be able to afford a house. Yeah, and you true. know everybody should have a roof over their heads and a nice and a, and a place to live okay then if i ever come to america i'm gonna go hit those guys up <laughs> you should i i won't help you but they'll be glad to help you out i'll, I'll, <laughs> oh. I'll act like i don't know you I'm just <laughs> great all right and you have um what's your instagram and facebook is the same wow. on, on facebook it's the last house standing Okay. Um, and, and I think on Instagram, it's the last house. It's, it might be the, wow, you're catching me off guard on the Instagram because I, I don't know it after I set it up. Oh, but okay. if you look at the last, look for the last house standing um, on Instagram, you should be able to find it. All right. So basically just go to his website. Facebook page is a, the Facebook page is a lot more interesting. And you can get the Instagram page on the actual website, thelasthousestanding.org. I was going to say that, yeah. All right. George Seagal. No relation to Stephen. Not that I know of. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you very much. And then uh, hopefully we'll catch up again in the future at some point when a new film comes out. Keep in touch. Um, Absolutely. If you need any extras, you know, I make a good stunt double. I might. <laughs> I just might. All right. Thank you very much. We'll talk, talk again. Okay. Take care. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.